I'm Lauren Maxwell, and this is We're All Friends Here. Welcome to Let's Talk, a series of conversations about life's biggest questions. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to my dear and old friend, Kelly. Kelly Vanemmen is professor of oboe and musicology at Converse College in Spartanburg, South Carolina. She knows this might sound boring, but it's actually one of the most exciting lives she could have imagined. She gets to do things like teach students about medieval troubadours and Indian hip-hop, and she performs everything from Bach to the Beatles. She also composes, and through her music, looks to build a sense of joyful community. Hi, Kelly. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Lauren. This is really cool. Thank you. Um, So let's get started by just hearing how the pandemic has affected your life this year. Well, it's sort of interesting. I, I promise things will get more interesting later. But the actual answer is kind of not much. Mm. Um, but a lot of that has to do with sort of where I am in my life and where I was at in terms of the year. That um, when the pandemic hit, I was actually um, on sabbatical from my college in the mm-hmm. spring. When we all got sent home in mid-March, you know, well, now I'm not getting up in the morning and taking the child to work and I'm not going to the gym but I'm still staying at home. I'm trying to get work done. (laughs) And the difference is that the child and the husband are both here. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, you know, and it proves to be, you know, not quite as conducive to getting as much work done um, Mm -hmm. when there's other people in the house. Um, And then, you know, in terms of being a performing musician, as well as an academic, um, you know, I just had, just a lot of concerts and stuff got wiped off the calendar. You know, that's a little bit different, but it's also true that in the summer, once school is out, we tend to, you know, when we're not off doing exciting things, we're at home. Yeah. And so that's, it's just kind of like a, almost like a regular summer, but without the exciting things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in terms of not having live performance available, did you, find that you still found ways to play your oboe or did you kind of take a break? How oh was my gosh. Oh my gosh. So it, I, it turned, I felt the, the last couple of weeks have been calmer, but throughout the rest of March into April and May, um, yeah. I felt like, you know, in one hand I had my oboe or whatever I was using to make music. And in the other hand, I had my video camera. Oh, I mean, wow. I mean, like the, you know, I, I joke with people that the entire town that I live in, the t- Spartanburg, South Carolina, the whole town basically knows what every room in my house looks like now. <laughs> because um, one of the things that was really cool is our local arts organizations, the Spartanburg Philharmonic, the Valley Spartanburg and the Little Theater sort of came together really fast Yeah, um, to create a video art series called together Spartanburg mm-hmm. with the art in Spartanburg being all. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we did a couple of those. I did the, the first one that was just all about me sort of showing the oboe to people and playing a little bit for them. And then later on we did, um, 
they did a couple of episodes of uh, families in the area that are all musicians. And so uh, we did another one of those with all three of us doing, talking about, you know, being three musicians, all trying to live in the house together during a pandemic. And the fact that at times (laughs) all three of us are trying to practice or have Zoom lessons or something at the same time. And then we, that and, sounds loud. And sometimes it was just because I, I had one of the school's video cameras when everything shut down. So there were a few times that they were just kind of like, um, we need somebody to show up at this <laughs> off-site site and record this student and their pianist in a building by themselves doing her yeah. recital. Got um, the video camera and I've learned <laughs> to take an extension cord with me everywhere I go. Yeah. Well, I love to think of you as like, as a superhero character whose tools are like the extension cord, the video camera and the oboe. <laughs> it would be a very different bat belt, wouldn't it? Exactly. Right. <laughs> but perhaps the perfect addition to this strange year. Um, so yeah, in terms of playing and offering music online like that, is it just kind of like, all right, this is a new, uh, same medium, new way of sharing it? Or did you find that you really missed having, you know, real people in the room experiencing the music with you? Oh, gosh, I miss real people so much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just in, in, in the music world that, you know, in, in every level, um, you know, one of the things I, with my students, um, one of the things I do in almost every lesson I teach is I play with my student, either mm-hmm. my oboe, I play with them as they're playing, or maybe I'm just playing a long drone note mm-hmm. while they play scales over it for tuning, or maybe I'm playing the piano accompaniment for them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can't, you can't do that in online lessons. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, you really can't. miss Yeah, no, no. And I think that what you're saying is getting towards something about music that when you sort of have all those things available, the real person contact, the playing together in one space, maybe we don't stop to think about, but it's the collaborative nature of music and the connection that it facilitates is one of the most, um, is at the core of why we love it and why someone like you might have chosen it. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, one of the things that I'm constantly reminding my students in various ways is that music is an art form that takes place in time. Mm. It is taking place in linear time. And Mm. so when you're playing with other people, or even if you're just playing by yourself for an audience, you're constantly you're constantly responding to what they're doing in real time. And like, you know, you see all, you know, I've seen more videos of virtual choirs than I have Mm -hmm. since. And and they're amazing and they're wonderful. And like, I had one of my friends from college did a virtual wind quintet of a piece that we had played together in college. And it was on the one hand, so much fun to watch, but none of those people were actually responding to each other. Yes, right. So maybe there's something about the living dynamic experience right. of music that just can't quite be there. Eventually mm-hmm. technology will will almost assuredly catch up and I'll be kind of curious to see how I feel how about it, it then. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it sounds like you were generally at peace with a lot of the things that unfolded this spring, which is totally in keeping with the person I know you to be. And um, Kelly is someone who takes everything in stride and always seems to be a calm and thoughtful voice of reason. Um, But did you find that you ran up against any particular struggles or did you learn something maybe that you didn't know before about what you're capable of? Um, well, you know, other than learning how to use the video camera better. <laughs> um, and the struggles of, you know, many things sound worse over zoom and, yes. and the oboe, the sound of the oboe is surely at the top of that list. <laughs> Let's, pivot a little bit. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this, the experience this country is having right now, kind of this moment of reckoning in regards to racial justice. And especially since you get to work with so many young people, um, so many college students and have an amazing young person of your own at home. um, I'm just wondering, you know, what's your take? Well, I mean, I sort of to, you know, combine to, to pick up on, you know, we've got the, the twin problems of the pandemic and now we've got black lives matter as well, which is, I I can't really term that a problem, but it's certainly a happening. Right. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be sort of a really strange way to come at all of it together, but I find myself actually being really hopeful mm. about both of these things together. And part of it comes from spending so much time with younger people. And part of it comes from spending so much time with old history. Mm-hmm. And so the the way those sort of two things go together is, well, uh, young people first. I, I am all about the young people. Like mm-hmm. nothing drives me crazier than hearing people my age and I am now at the ripe old age of 51 and older (laughs) sort of go off on a kids today rant. I mean, that drives me crazy when I was a kid, but it really drives me crazy now because I think that, you know, younger people today, you know, millennials, Gen Z, whatever, you know, all the way down are just these amazing people that, have grown up with their eyes open. Mm. And and, and honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with growing up, having the internet and being able to see other people from other places your entire lifetime. Yeah. You know, like I remember when I was a kid, um, you know, back in the old day of just books and a little bit of television, you know, we had 12 channels on the television (laughs) and, the Iran hostage crisis happened in 79, I think it was 79, 80, somewhere in there. And like, none of us actually knew where Iran was, much less how to Mm -hmm. pronounce it correctly. (laughs) And we just kind of had this idea that they were just all these bad people, right? And not that it was a real culture with a real history and that there's reasons for this. Yes. You know, it's still probably not the best choice to take bunches of hostages. That's usually not the best choice. Yeah. But there were reasons it happened, but we knew nothing of this. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, whereas like my, my daughter Tally was, as soon as she gets out of school, she's immediately on her phone and on YouTube and watching people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's to the, to the younger people, it's really normal to, well, yeah, people that look different than me or act differently mm-hmm. than me are still people. Yeah. Like it doesn't cross their mind that they're not. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, they get really excited about learning new things. Mm. And I think they're not as scared of change. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's, that's been really fun. We actually just came this afternoon. Um, the college that I teach at, you know, like a lot, a lot of colleges in the South, um, has, you know, issues, has had issues accepting people of other races and especially black students in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're trying very much to do better and to, we've got a great president now that is very open to talking and open to change and really understanding. Um, and so this afternoon, some of the students had wanted to get together and have a peaceful march from Converse to downtown where just a couple of days ago they did this glorious um black lives matter painting on the street in front of city hall yeah with, i saw it it's right amazing. and you know every every letter is done was done by a different black artist and it's mm. beautiful and so yeah you know so we walked downtown and they they had speeches before we left they had speeches when we got there and they all they were real, but they were all so positive mm-hmm. about yeah. look where we can go and look what we can do. And here's how we're going to get there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had a, a black police officer that was sort of following us just, you know, to make sure nobody got run over being yeah. helpful. And he was, he was a black police officer. And as he drove away, once we got where we were going, everybody's like, thank you so much. I was like, Oh my God, this is the most polite kind protest I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I'm, I, it all makes me very hopeful. I'm really excited that we're turning over some of the reins already to the younger generation mm. and that I think they have great ideas. Are they going to be perfect? Of course not. You know, nobody ever is. Right. But they were raised in this new world of the whole world being on all the time mm-hmm. and they're natives to this and they know how to, um, how to traverse this world so much better than people my age and older, I think. Yeah. So that's yeah. exciting. I've had a similar experience. Yeah. Right. And the protests we've been to have also been, you know, some of the most, um, polite and caring spaces everyone's really concerned with looking out for each other giving each other hand sanitizer wearing masks and um uh the bystanders and cops have not necessarily been wearing masks but um the protesters have and um it feels like a very intentional statement of you know we're here because we care um for black lives and therefore we also care about each other's lives and we'll be wearing our masks Um, yeah yeah there was a lot of that and in fact they even are as they, they build as Black Lives Matter and Pride and disability awareness as well. Oh, and great. So we had we had all the chance, right? Uh, yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, Lots of love to go around. Right. Exactly. And in flowers, people brought flowers and pass them out. 
it was just yeah. like the sixties all over again. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but the other reason that I'm really hopeful is that I also teach music history and mm-hmm. every fall for the last over 20 years, I'm going back again through, particularly for this time, what's relevant is the fall of Rome and the great plague of the 1300s. Perfect. (laughs) You know, and, and I think, you know, well, you know, the pandemic we're in right now, it is more global than the plague was, but Mm -hmm. that's just because we know more of the world exists. Um, and as bad as things are, they're not plague bad, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know, and even through the, that plague. And then, you know, for hundreds of years after that, the plague as a disease would periodically pop up in other places, Mm. you know, London, little hamlets like that. And, but people still managed to take care of each other going through them and art was still made and people still wrote things and civilization managed to survive and in many ways even thrive. Yeah. And you know, that we hit the 1300s is the last thing we do in my fall music history class. And one of the things that is amazing about that time period in Europe is that the music that was written Mm. was unbelievably complex. Yeah. I mean, it was like it most, you know, it's not the sort of stuff you're going to hear in daily life today because we just don't have the mental materials to understand it. Mm-hmm. That it was just really mm. super cool and really yeah. complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that time period, it wasn't just the plague that was happening. I mean, there were, independent of the plague, other wars going on. Mm -hmm. And it's the time of the great papal schism when there were actually two popes and a good Lord, what do you do? Well, now we have two of them again, you know, but it was a little (laughs) bit different than they weren't actually, you know, they all both wanted to be Pope right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, that seldom in the world do you have just one big giant problem to deal with at a time. They always seem to come together like and feed off of each other. And, you know, and I think like, even with things like, you know, the fall of Romeo, this great empire and it fell and it fell hard. And, Mm -hmm. but then afterwards, these really amazing societies grew up, Mm. you know? So there's a unifying factor of some kind. Yeah. And, you know, and there's always change and there will always be change. And, Mm -hmm. On the one hand, when there are these giant seismic shifts, and I do think that, I think that we were actually in the midst of one of those long before this past spring happened. Mm. But yeah, there are things lost, but there are also new things that bloom. Yeah, I think that's perfect cause for hope. And um, yeah, I loved, I want to ask you about two things you said. I loved when you said younger generations have grown up with their eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, um, do you think that this dual experience of um, the fight for racial justice and the pandemic and perhaps one helped lead to the other because so many black and brown brown lives were lost um, as a result of the pandemic and also 
because we were all forced to slow down. Do you think that there was an eye-opening effect on the older generations this, this spring and summer, especially in the white community? You know, I'm not really sure about that because to be honest, I haven't, you know, haven't seen a lot of people. I mean, and I think that yeah. like the, like my, my people, my friends, my academic world that, you know, we were pretty much aware of a lot of this, mm-hmm. but I think what has been interesting that I've observed just by talking with my parents um, who are, who are back in Texas and are much more to the right end of the political spectrum than I am. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what they think about black lives matter, but I don't do know that despite the fact that, you know, wearing a mask has become kind of this political statement, right? They are, all about the pandemic. You know, they are oh, masking up, they are socially isolating, them. they are yeah. washing their hands and and all of their friends are too. Oh good. Good. The same way that you know, I think that, you know, kids today are actually okay. It's been really interesting to watch that that much older generation to watch them taking a lot of things seriously, you know? Yeah, right. And I think there's nothing like, you know, being part of the vulnerable population in all of this yeah. to cause you to, to to question things and to really take a look at the science and, yeah, choose to take care of yourself and those around you. And, um, yeah, and, you know, the other thing you said earlier was about the beauty and complexity of the music that was written during the plague. And, um, yeah. As a parallel to that, I'm just wondering, you know, what kind of role do you think that art um, plays in, you know, what role will it play this year? What kind of potential does it have as we look towards the next chapter and as we move through this chaotic period? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's interesting because like, you know, some of the art is able to be immediate. Mm-hmm. You know, that like, you know, the beautiful Black Lives Matter on the street in front of our city hall yeah. is just this giant, beautiful work of art. You or know, like the, the art that popped up around Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. And so some of that is really immediate. And um, and some art is designed to be immediate. Yeah. But there's other kinds of arts that take take time to simmer. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that's going to be really interesting is that once we all do get to come out of our homes, once there's a vaccine and because I am the world's eternal optimist, I do believe there will <laughs> be a vaccine. Yeah. Um, and I think what's going to be really interesting is to come out and see, well, you know, like with composers, well, what did they write while they were mm-hmm. stuck at home that they still haven't gotten to hear? You know, I, I don't have the answer as to how it will be affected, mm-hmm. but I think it, that it will be affected. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you said about art that needs time to simmer because we will be seeing um, the 
sort of outpouring from this period, I think for years into the future. And like, I, it'll be really interesting to see what black artists have to say about this uprising. And, um, especially as we figure out, you know, what kind of progress we can all make together. You know, one of my very favorite authors is Madeline Langle, mm-hmm. who um, is the woman that wrote A Wrinkle in Time mm-hmm. and lots and lots and lots of other things as well. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, and she, in addition to being, um, being an author, she was also, when she was younger, was very involved in the theater and was a pianist. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that she talks about in one of her books in terms of being an artist and how art evolves, it says that, so she herself, she died several years ago, but, you know, she was alive during, you know, World War II and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how with her parents' generation, that they came of age in a rather relatively peaceful time. And so the in terms of the classical musical world, the music that they were really attracted to was the music of the late romantics, the music of Wagner and the, the stuff mm-hmm. that got for the time really wild and, yeah. and exciting and broke all the rules. But yeah, that for herself and many people of her generation, she said, having grown up in a time of such in many ways, scary transformations in the world. She Mm -hmm. had always found herself really wanting the music that she heard to be like the music of Bach that was very organized. Yeah. And wasn't going to slap you in the face, but rather show you this, the real beauty of, of organization. And so, you know, and, and, you know, and that's just one person's take on how different moments at time can change musical tastes, mm-hmm. but I wonder, like, that's why I kind of wonder, well, what, what's going to come out of this time? And yeah. like, I know my own musical taste, it's been really interesting. I, I listen to all kinds of music. I also teach world music classes at my college. So, you know, maybe I'm not quite as calm about all of this as I think I am because mm-hmm. what I've really been wanting to listen to for the last two or three weeks um, is just lots and lots of Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. (laughs) You know, her newest album. And and I am not a Taylor Swift person at all. Yeah. You know, but there's her latest album, Lover, that came out. It's just, is so happy. (laughs) She's just like, even the breakup songs, she's so happy about it. Oh, I'll have to take a listen. And it's just like, that's just kind of what I want to be listening to. And and my my family, of course, you know, my 15-year-old daughter has no interest in this whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. To conclude, I want to finish with a quick lightning round. Oh, my. Um, Yes. Tell us. Yes. Okay. So tell us if the pandemic miraculously disappeared tonight and you could hop on a plane tomorrow and go anywhere in the world without a mask, without any sanitizer, where would you go? Oh gosh. The question is where I, where wouldn't I go? But I think what I would want to do is actually the one, one place that I've never been that I've always wanted to go is I've never been to Italy Mm, and I'm seeing all of these pictures of how like all those um, like Venice and Rome and they're all empty. Right. 
and, and like, I'm the like, fish are back in the canals and everyone's happy. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, can I like be first in line to get back before the crowds do? Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause that would be amazing. Oh, it would. It would. Um, okay. Second question. What has been your go-to snack during quarantine? All of them. Um, <laughs> it's been a good year for snacks. Oh my gosh. No, um, really, here's what I would say is this is taking the question slightly different. So we've been cooking incessantly yeah, because we haven't been going anywhere else, but I'm blessed to have a 15 year old daughter that loves to cook and oh. was gifted with this amazing cookbook, the Milk Street Cookbook for Christmas oh, by a friend of nice. ours. Mm-hmm. And she has been making dinner one night a week out of that book. Oh, and what a treat. Yes. She had, after the protest this afternoon, I needed a little pick-me-up and I came home and there was cheesecake that she had made over the weekend in the refrigerator. Oh, she really is the best. <laughs> she is. It's pretty awesome. Um, I have a great Cal- family. You do. I love your family. Um, well, thank you so much for being here, Kelly. I really appreciate your time. And I'm so excited that everybody gets to meet you and learn a little bit about maybe the history of music, maybe the history of the plague. Um, so thank you again. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was actually a lot of fun. It's, I mean, it's always a good time to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to We're All Friends Here. You'll get an email once a week on Saturday mornings with an essay or a conversation about the struggle and the beauty of being alive. Take care out there, and I'll see you next time.